0: Get up. Get, get
1: up, get, up, get What's up, Mets fans? Welcome back to episode 113 of the Mets Up Podcast, the official podcast of the New York Mets. Ooh, ooh, we're feeling good. A nice series sweep of those Miami Marlins, which is exactly what the doctor ordered. The Mets are on a six-game win streak, The boys are hype, and we're ready to talk through this series as well as preview the next one against the Nationals. And, of course, we're going to talk about the trade deadline as we are just under 48 hours away from the trade deadline with guys like Juan Soto, Shohei Otani, some big names floating around. Could the Mets be interested? You guys are going to have to listen to find out. If you are not yet following us, on all our social media, make sure you are at MetsUp on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you're looking for the YouTube video, check out the New York Mets YouTube channel, the official channel for the Mets. You'll be able to find our video content there. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast, drop us a rating, drop us a review, drop us a subscription, and download all the episodes. It really does help this podcast grow. And uh, it's a remote episode, so I do have to call in James here. James, how you doing? Good, man. Very good. Good. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm much brighter
0: than usual on my yeah. recordings over here. But it's only half of my face because I got a big light. <laughs> big light. Nice. But I only have one. So I'm only half. And there's a big motorcycle. So we're doing the podcast in Brooklyn. So you now, guys have to that too.
1: I will say this. We asked on the last episode that we would read out any funny reviews, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, we got one. We got one. Okay. This go, the title is greatest podcast of all time. And this one says three roasts for my favorite host. So we're starting off with a rhyme. <laughs> got to give them credit. Here we go. I was in the middle of practicing my Bane voice when Mark reminded me to give a review. I was in the middle of working at my 80 hour top-secret job when James reminded me to give a review. I was in the middle of memorizing every World Series winner uh, ever when John reminded me to leave a review. That's what he said. So a nice little little poem for us there. Yeah, nice one. Good way to start. Good way to start. And a great series to talk about as well. They just completely handled the Marlins, which is so nice. This was like one of those series that... Mets
0: fans claim never happens. Yes, you know what I mean, like we could just like do all through. Friday night was
1: a little bit stressful at parts,
0: but a little bit, yeah. You just you could you could just walk through Saturday and Sunday, and be like, the Mets won this game, and there's nothing that to worry about.
1: And that's the kind of thing, like you said, like Mets fans talk that this this doesn't happen. And in the past, it kind of hasn't. So it is a little bit refreshing that we do get to face the Marlins and just kind of treat them like the bottom-dwelling team that they are in this division right now. They're also reeling so bad right now. I was about to mention, they had six of their nine starting offensive players not in the lineup for most of the series. True. It's not like those offensive players are really like that great either. But it's just no. the team seems
0: completely like
1: disheveled. It was just really nice that, I mean, like you said, the first game started off a little bit a little bit dicey with Bassett on the mound going up against Sandy Alcantara, which is still very much up for debate as how to say his last name. But the Mets rallied back nicely. I think the best way to say it is to like leave some ambiguity in it. Like Sandy Alcantara, Al- Alcantara. Alcantara. Sandy Alcantara. Like just kind of mumble the end. <laughs> Alcontra, Kind of like Rihanna at Shut Up and Drive. She doesn't even say it at the end of the song. She just goes... <laughs> that's, an, that's an insane deep track. But also something notable from this series like Gary was
0: off probably yes. just taking a nice summer weekend. So we had Wayno on the play-by-play in the booth, and we had Terry Collins on the radio. I enjoyed one Terry Collins game on Friday night, just listening to him and Howie talk about the old world. was so freaking funny, talking about RBI, his batting average. I, I loved every second of it. Also, it's just – I don't know how true this is, but the way Terry made it sound is that the Mets like literally called him like day of or day before to do this series. They were like, hey, Wayne's going to be on TV. No Gary this weekend. Do you want to be in the booth? And he's like – "Uh." I don't know who's my partner going to be. And they were like, Howie. And he was like, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like he didn't want to talk to Wayne. If Wayne was his partner, I guess we're Jake Heisenberg, but I I, it's also how, the Mets have this like kind of unique team structure where like their announcers are like major lifelong fans. Yeah. And when Terry was the coach and him and Howie talked about this, they used to hang out all the time. Like go down, talk.
1: This is insane. You just keep talking through it. <laughs> honestly, you can do if you want to let the people at home know what's going on. Yeah, I just I live on a main street in Brooklyn. Only
0: third floor up. You wouldn't imagine it, but the sound really travels well. So there's, I'm assuming a garbage truck or maybe any just kind of truck down,
1: <laughs> well, loathing of, and unloading. Of course. You'd be, who's not picking up garbage at 620 on a Sunday evening? Whatever. But Terry and
0: Howie are both talking about how much time they spent together and how much they talk. And Howie said that besides Davey Johnson, Terry Collins talking more than anybody else in the world about baseball.
1: Terry is, a, I, I'm sure Buck will be up there too once he really gets to know Buck over a long tenure like he did with Terry, but those old guys, when they start talking baseball, whether or not you agree with like their, you know, principles of how the game should be played now, they will, they will teach you something and they will have incredible stories just because, I mean, Terry Collins is a lifer for baseball.
0: Yeah, it's honestly just uplifting hearing them talk about it with each other. They also, they also started talking, I think Pete maybe made a play or something or maybe Basha play, I don't remember what happened exactly, but they are talking about how with the All-Star game, Pete... Was doing infield drills with Ron Washington. Yes. And they were just gushing over the fact that one, Pete was were doing extra work at the All Star game. Two, that an opposing coach,
1: a rival coach, was helping. And three, then they just start talking about baseball and Ron Washington infield drills. How would you feel if a Mets coach was helping out a Braves player during the All Star game? Not good. Yeah. Same. Not like
0: if Jeremy would... Hefner was in the corner with Charlie Morton, like showing a grip, I'd be like, get, get away from him. <laughs>
1: get away. Don't you dare unless, teach him the secrets.
0: Unless it's sabotage. That'll... Then. Yeah. Then I'm okay. If but Jeremy is like screwing with Charlie Morton's curve grip. That'd be amazing. Yeah,
1: and I mean, we saw Pete make some nice plays this series too. Especially, I remember there was a, a smoked ball in game three that Keith particularly went, whoa, like he, he let out a noise. Oh, yeah, he was like, a that's nice, a great play, play.
0: Nice pick, yeah, early in the so, game.
1: So that kind of stuff, it seems to be helping. And I mean, going back to game one here, because we did jump around a little bit. It was Bassett versus Sandy. That seems to be the big story of this one. Sandy, who is one of the favorites, if not the, to be the Cy Young right now in the National League. And Chris Bassett, who's coming off of really good starts, especially against the Marlins.
0: Sandy is deflating a tiny bit, and maybe that's just from us getting the exposure to him. This is the fourth time that we saw Sandy Alcantara in yeah. six weeks. So you kind of, you hit it start to get a little grasp on him. And you could just kind of tell from the moment that that game started, like no at-bats reason. I think Nimo had a six or seven or eight pitch at-bat, which he seems to be doing every game now to start the game. He threw 23 pitches in that first inning, and nothing came easy. And you're like, okay, I think we've actually got a grip on this guy now.
1: Yeah, no, I was kind of jumping all over the place because I was in Atlantic City for the National Card Show, which if I can divulge into that for just a second, that's, a, that's an absolutely insane atmosphere. Like, so I I don't collect cards. I, I flip. I'm like what the people in the card hobby hate. I'm like just trying to make money on it with my prospect knowledge, which I've done pretty well on. But this entire event was absolutely nuts. Just walking in, I felt overwhelmed for one of the few times in my entire life where I'm like, wow, I'm actually like feeling very uncomfortable right now because there was like, I don't know, insane amount of tables and they all have these glass cases filled with cards that are valued minimum $5,000 a piece. And they have like 100 cards in a case. You're like, oh, there's like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of cards hanging out here. You walk in the middle. There's a thirty-five million dollar baseball card just sitting there, made of gold, and you're like, "What? Where do I go? What do I do here?" It was nuts. It was crazy. So I was in Atlantic City. There was too many people there, so the internet wasn't working. <laughs> so I missed the beginning because of the early start in Miami. Oh yeah, six forty.
0: The- you got you. And the six ten on Saturday it got me sitting in the bar. I was like, "The Mets? What?" Oh, but. Yeah, so I'll I'll go into the beginning of this game then because I watched it very closely. Also, I just, I can't believe you're even at that convention for as long as you were. That's the type of thing to spend like four hours, not 24 hours.
1: Well, yeah, I I got invited out there with a friend who does some card stuff. And he was like, yeah, just come out, hang out, shoot some videos. I didn't shoot a video the first day because I was like, this is just, this is, as me and James, it was Animal in there. It was absolutely (laughs) insane. With the people running around, there's 14-year-old kids with locked briefcases full of cards that are like, 25 to 50 thousand dollars and like if you're selling those big ticket items this is the place to be no doubt but for someone like me who's trying to find these like prospects that nobody knows about it was like such a waste of my time to really be there which is a little weird but like i i mean just the amount of people and the amount of children really this is the craziest part is that the children have these just stacks and stacks of cards that are worth so much money it was quite a weird experience for me to be there and be like oh like, instead of putting your money into stocks, you put all your money into a LeBron James out of five. Like, That's it's meanie. it's crazy. It's also
0: just the situ- events like that, especially being in a place like Atlantic City, definitely attracts a certain
1: clientele. Well, I felt that after the first day, I was like, man, this kind of turned me off to, like, the whole card market really? a little bit. Because it's almost, like, too much in a way where it's like, if you are someone who is like me, who is like a casual in that sense, and you just want to go there and just, like, experience it. I feel like it's too much. I feel like there's too many people. I feel like this is the worst part and I'll I'll just quickly go into this. If you're trying to buy cards there, they're obviously going to charge you more than they got them for. So they'll charge you more than you could buy them for on eBay and if you're trying to sell, they want to buy them for more than you can get on for less than you can get on eBay. So there's really no winning unless you're trying to buy those 5 and 10,000 dollar cards which will never land there and then talking with these people just like Yeah, I want to sell you this card. They're like, "Mm, I'll give you a 110. I'm like, well, I can sell it tomorrow for 180 on eBay. They're like, yeah, good luck. I'm like, I literally did yesterday. Why are you telling me good luck? Why? Get off your high horse, guy, at the card stand. Congratulations. You have a Shohei Otani card. You're not better than me. You're not better than me. That's... That's all right. It's pretty funny stuff.
0: I can't believe how much we don't want to talk about these games. The Mets won. We've gone over 10 minutes now. Not not talking about baseball. Go into it. Go into it. Let's 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 because this this was like the most interesting game. probably. Oh, by far. Also, just especially like Sandy versus Bassett, best pitching matchup. But the Bassett just wasn't really that sharp. And that's something that you know, it just happens It's a game. I kind of very happy that my reverse jinx worked. I said that the Mets would come out flat in the series coming off the emotional high. It didn't seem like anyone in the team really did. But it just seemed like this game, it was hard for Bassett to kind of get himself going in the right direction it always felt like he would take like one step forward and two steps back and you kind of saw that a lot like right off the get-go I don't remember if it was the first second inning I think it was the first where the Marlins just dinked and doinked him. yep a couple bloops a couple well-placed ground balls and all culminated with like ridiculous Miguel Rojas bloop double and you're like oh the Mets are losing three nothing to Sandy Alcantara this stinks right now and then. Absolutely, in a, on a moment's notice, it just completely spun around on the backs of the top of our order. The, the two incredible outfielders, Brandon Nemo Starling Marte. Marte just getting the, one of the biggest Marte parties of the whole season started with a with a triple that he freaking smoked on his way yeah. to the three-hit, three-RBI
1: game. Dude just had a, a great series, and I know he didn't play in game well, three. But... No, I mean, game two, I think he was like over four with three strikeouts. But he had a great game. Yeah, okay. That's fair. I guess that's more of an accurate statement. <laughs> yeah. He did have a great game because he almost hit for the cycle in this one. But like,
0: he was a triple. He was a double away from the cycle in like the fifth inning.
1: Yeah. Like the the production that he's brought to this offense. I was just like going through fan graphs, just looking at like WRC plus of all the guys on the team. You know, the Mets have like six guys for the WRC plus above one hundred and twenty before the game started today. It's incredible. And they put up what like nineteen hits in the game. Like the yeah. offense has been clicking, and I do think having a guy like Starling Marte slot into the two spot really helps because. Nimmo gets on. He pushes him over. Lindor, Alonso. That's why you see those guys both in the top five in RBIs. Like they just really find a way to manufacture runs, even if it's not by the long ball sometimes.
0: It was just awesome also that we are losing, and then Starling Marte ties the game with his triple, and then he ties it later again with a home run, both yeah. off of Sandy. And that was the first time that Sandy's given up four earned runs since June 24th against our Mets. Yep. And this thats only, he's only given up four and runs in three games this year, with the other one coming on May 1st against the Mariners. So, as good as Sandy Alcon, Alcantara, I can't, I hate saying Alcantara. It, it may, I know, but John said Alcantara, and then they were saying Alcantara on the broadcast. So, I tend to believe the SNY broadcast over you and
1: I. Here's what we need we need John. We know you got some ins and outs there. We need you to get us like the media review sheet that they get Please. before the series uh. and whatever it says on there. Cause I know I've seen the White Sox one, they tweet it all the time. They put the, like, although they put Luis Robert as Luis Robert, which I disagree but with via You
0: can you can be ambiguous
1: about Luis Robert. 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 Yeah. Robert. You know, you can kind
0: of end it. Yeah, exactly. But Alcantara, you Alcatara. can't do not care. much. I'm, I'm going to say the way that they were saying, because I believe that they have more access to things than we are. But that's just ridiculous. That's good goes he's been all year. The Mets have gone for four, earned twice. The rest of the league's only done it once. The most runs he's ever given up at the start this year is five.
1: I mean, also the Mets, the Mets are one of the better offensive teams in the National League right now, too. Like, they Definitely. just really are clicking. We just, we call this Mets offense whatever the wind blows, you know what I mean? Like, that's right now, one of the best offensive teams in the league. We could go, we need three bats. Like, that's just well, you know weird. what You know what, though? You talk about the, nece- their, uh, the necessity of bats. The Mets did pick up a couple here. We didn't see Naquin yet in this game, right? I don't think he played in game one. But Vogelbach coming into this lineup, he's made a difference. Vogelbach's been so good. Vogelbach.
0: Vogelbach. They, they were also saying Vogelbach today on the broadcast, you know. It's just it's so diff why why can't we just get the easy answers on these names? I don't know, but like this was I think Vogelback's best game as a met to this point. Like he just he was on base three times, two doubles and a walk. The doubles were hit 109, 110 miles an hour. He's he's fun as hell. Like he's his on base percentage over five hundred this week with the Mets. We haven't lost with Daniel Vogelback on the roster. Undefeated. Six and in every single game that he's played. Uh, what a freaking dude. But this game kind of sat four four for a while, and Bassett did kind of settle in after that. Like little, little bit of trouble early. He still just like wasn't sharp. I got you again. The estimate. Bass yeah, had we two strikeouts. You
1: said over seven. <laughs> we 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 don't need to talk about me now being over yeah. f- four on the estimate. You're picking first in this one, which we'll talk about later in the episode. But for sure, I need all the help I can get. My goodness, uh, you know what? I should have known that Bassett, who just faced the Marlins recently, just you can't put up another like career great performance just like we saw with Sandy Alcantara. He's faced the Mets four times, and even he looks human. So, like, it happens.
0: Definitely. And he, again, this is definitely not his best. Four walks, hit hit batsmen, six hits, four earns. But I think a lot of this just came from command, and a lot of that lack of command came from adjustment I've been talking about on here, which is Bassett more so finding these breaking balls. Something I wanted to ask him in the interview that you guys heard, hopefully over this weekend we did with him, we just kind of ran out of time, the conversation went a different way. So maybe next time I talk to Chris, maybe off camera will be more baseball stuff. But... He just had a lot of trouble locating his slider and curveball, and as he's been throwing them more, that's kind of the risk you run. It's something I mentioned before, he talked about with Inosiris about four years ago when talking about his curveball. Yep. He kept trying to nail that low and away corner to a very right-handed heavy Marlins lineup, and he just kept missing it, and they kept spitting on it, and to kind of like let the at bats go from there. And that's how he walked a lot of the guys. But him just fighting his way through, like a objectively, not very good start for him for six innings in the first game of the series was massive, 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 massive.
1: No, something that we need. And like this Mets team all year has kind of been like, they've picked each other up, right? So Bassett didn't have his stuff, and the offense kind of helped him out by making sure that they had enough runs that they still kept themselves competitive in this game.
0: Yeah, and he was able to hand the ball directly at Adam Alavino, which is important and also interesting, good process by Buck here. Top of the Marlins order coming up. Best reliever, not him, Edwin Diaz coming in, He's using Trevor Williams in the eighth inning, which is kind of funny because we, talk, we talked about that back in April. But he looked but so good. He looked, I, he, two hard hit balls. Got come the on. outs. Got the ouch. Sure. Process guy. Come on. <laughs> and, uh, John. Staff from John over here. Adam Alivino has the fifth lowest ERA in baseball since May 8th. That's that's pretty elite. That's pretty incredible. So basically he has that. And then this game was tied. We're in the eighth. This was eighth inning. Yeah. And Brandon Mo gave us one of the premier Mets moments, uh, not even just the weekend, but I think kind of the season so far. Where Definitely. He roped a home run. Go ahead, home run. And he went ballistic running around the bases. Like he was as jacked up as I've ever seen him. Hell yeah. Dude,
1: he cursed. He said know, he said a yeah. swear
0: word. And he said after the game, because Gelbsy gave a great interview with him, that um, it's kind of like a drunning joke around the team. Like, because when Nimmo gets going, he always gives guys a hell yeah, but not that often. <laughs> so the fact he was giving a hell yeah, like all these other guys give him hell yeahs very often. And everyone's hell yeahing him when he came back around. That great picture with Canada, too. That was awesome. Just like
1: screaming and freaking out. That could be an estimate, too. Just and Nimbo's life over under swear words, like six.
0: How many think he Are you said? saying how many times he said the swear words or how many different swear words he's ever said? Because I, I think that hell and crap are probably the only swear words he's ever even tried. Okay, interesting. Yeah, you know I, I mean, like yeah, quantity, I,
1: are we going quantity or quality? <laughs> I can't imagine that, the quality. I, yeah, honestly, it's probably low on both. I'm sure yeah. he says hell and crap a little bit like you said, but I'm sure mm-hmm. we don't get into into the deep swear words. Yeah. The one's not safe for air. With like lost in all of this fun
0: stuff about the home run was that this home run came against Stephen Oakert, who's a pretty talented lefty. He's got good yep. stuff. And again, this was on a very aggressive Brandon Nimmo. This was the second pitch of the at-bat, but he swung mm-hmm. at the first one. So he's very clearly like figured something out within himself, and that, that aggressiveness is helping him blossom. Also a stat from John here. Fifth career go-ahead home run, the eighth inning
1: or later for Brandon Nimmo. The thing I like to mention about Nimmo too is that we've seen it now watching BP live before the games when we get there for the Mets at Citi Power, Field. Powerful. Brandon Nimmo has sneaky, sneaky power. Like, he's taken some BP sessions that's left my jaw dropped. And that's for a guy who you don't think of as a home run hitter. I would say nobody around the league does. But that power is there, and it does feel like Brandon Nimmo as he's getting a little bit more aggressive, which I'm fine with. I'm happy to get this power and sacrifice maybe the on-base percentage a little bit here. But he has the ability to be a guy who I think probably at some point in his career could hit 25, 30 home runs.
0: He's also like a sneaky hoss. He's such a big dude. Like, he's he's huge. big. Massive, like big shoulders. Like he's a big dude. But also we have to shout out how this home run even came to be because it would not. I mean, I guess he was still able to hit the home run, but Eduardo Escobar, who did not start this game, I feel like one of the um consequences, not consequences is a weird word, but one of the uh after effects of these trades for the hitters, Vogelback, and we're gonna talk about naquin in a few minutes here, is that it seems like Escobar might play less against tough righties just because that's something he struggled with this year. So he came off the bench called. The ground ball. I believe it was in the hole to Miguel Rojas. Yeah, I think and so. And he busted it out of the line, just beat it out. And he got himself on base as a guy who's not really considered a burner, even though I said Waddle well, Escobar is an above-average athlete, 63rd percentile in speed, one of the highest on the Mets in general. And he's just also a little guy, so you know, he can move a little bit. But get, that's such an amazing move from a veteran who's been starting his whole career to come off the bench cold and bust his ass on a ground ball, give his team a shot, got another sacrifice needle bunt uh, right after that for him. And then what came up and did the damage,
1: but really amazing
0: to see him be able to move into that role and do it with flying colors.
1: Yeah, no, it seems like I think they said after the Naquin acquisition, right, that this is going to limit Jeff McNeil. He's basically only going to be playing second base. It seems like that's what they really want to do going forward. And that Giorme now is basically going to be splitting time at third base. It seems like with Escobar, which is something that we have talked about as well, is that those two guys probably fit well as a platoon right now with Escobar crushing lefties and Giorme playing better against righties. So. I mean, probably won't even be every righty. I think it'll be like the really tough ones. Like, Sam, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, you're not going to sit against like Paolo Espino. Yeah.
0: But like, he's going to, you're going to, you're going to find a way to sit sometimes.
1: But yeah, that was big. And then Diaz shut the door because he's absolutely disgusting. Elite, one pitch away from Immaculate Inning. It was uh, unbelievable. Shout out to Edwin Diaz.
0: He's so psychotic
1: that he started
0: laughing. When he get that foul tip happened on the ninth pitch of the inning, because like he, like he's so in control right now. It's like the, it's like when people talk to basketball players, like they have that moment of feeling in the zone. Like that's what Edwin Diaz is right now.
1: He's completely in control of everything around him. Yeah, like Kobe dropping eighty one. Like the dude yeah. was just literally just chucking it from anywhere. It's like it's gonna go in. Like that's so, how it feels like with Edwin Diaz on the mound right now. It's just completely different,
0: and it's amazing. It's amazing, amazing, amazing to see.
1: Now that was a good start to the series. Again, little come. It wasn't like a come from behind victory, but it was a gritty one. It was a yeah. uh, they fought in that one game two. This was good. This was really nice. This was a real, this was the star of the easy games in this series.
0: This is the type of game that fans literally dream about. Keith had an incredible line on Sunday talking oh, about yeah. this game. He said, it Looked like Carrasco was in a rocking chair. That's
1: what does that even
0: mean? <laughs> I don't know, but that makes sense. I, he says it and I see it and I feel just, it.
1: You know what it is? Maybe it's because it's just like he's just, he was in just such a rhythm that it was like like a exactly. rocking chair back Let's and, back and forth.
0: forth. very easy. And just no Marlin reached third base this entire game. That's sick. How crazy is that? The entire game. And two reached second. One got picked off and the other one stole the base. Yeah. Shout out to uh was it Charles LeBlanc for getting picked off at second? LeBlanc. No, no C, silent C. I don't know. I think it's LeBlanc. I, um, unless they were Keith. unless they were being like gauche today and they because they kept saying LeBlanc, like kept referring to the fact really? that it was Silent C on the broadcast today. Silent what
1: is oh, is this another <laughs> pronunciation we have? I'm calling him LeBlanc. I don't care, but I will acknowledge that you have told me I'm wrong. Okay. That's fine. I wanted to give like a
0: nice thorough and deep Carrasco breakdown right now because he's been absolutely unbelievable for the last month of play. Oh, yeah. 0.90 ERA in July. Ooh, okay, Carlos. And it all culminated in this start where seven, two thirds inning, seven strikeouts, two walks, four hits. I believe that's his third or fourth time pitching into the eighth inning this year. Yeah, I also great. believe that's the most of pitcher in the Mets staff as well, which is unbelievable that Carlos Carrasco is like our durability workhorse right now. But the big thing with this game, I'm sure you guys saw it watching on TV, if you, if you watched it on TV, is that his sinker is very, very, very back. Yes, Keith talked about a lot on Sunday that he talked about Crasco before the game and said, like, yep, he found that pitch again. He's really started to throw it. It's a sixth straight start where he's increased his sinker usage. It has risen from six starts ago at a 1% usage rate to Saturday. It was a 33% usage wow. rate, one-third of his pitches. Yes, yeah, so this is something that he had through a little bit last year then stopped throwing it, was throwing it a little bit in the early year, stopped for the middle month at, like, end of May, June time. Now it's come all the way back to where Saturday was the most often he threw it in any game all year. Also, a lot of that helped him with double plays. He's the first pitcher in Mets history to induce multiple double plays in four straight starts. Major League Records, five. So, really, we're, we're approaching history next weekend with Carlos Carrasco.
1: <laughs> oh, Carlos, history. You got, where were you when Carlos Carrasco tied the ground ball in multiple, <laughs> double, play. The double play record?
0: <laughs> I'm um, pins and needles next weekend watching Carlos Carrasco pitch. I guess the Braves hoping for that. But this is a pretty cool adjustment, I think, for him because his fastball was just kind of being hit hard. And not that the sinker hasn't been hit hard, it has been hit basically as hard as the fastball, just in less exposure. So, it's less of a sure sample. His, sinker had five whiffs on saturday his fastballs only had five whiffs an individual start four times all year and it has not happened since june 17th which also kind of coincides when he started channing's reptile up a little bit so that makes sense because that's like a quantity stat not like a, a whiff rate but this sinker has plus movement both in its drop and its fade and the fastball just doesn't it has a little bit of horizontal movement but it's on a flat plane so it's like a little bit easier to hit it's not really one of those you know like rising type good fastballs so if this pitch has a better movement profile, I think it's a great idea to do it. And I like with Carrasco moving on to the sinker with a little bit of movement just because his command is so insane right now, and it has been this entire season basically, besides for a couple bad starts here and there. He has one of the best chase rates in all of baseball. Really? Like 36%. Yeah, league average is 28%. He's the 97th percentile chase rate. In the entire I league, know. every pitcher in baseball. And- I
1: mean, you, you she- must feel good considering all last year. This is what we're – especially you, were preaching like, guys, 100%. Carlos Carrasco, he's good. I, I just it's just he just had to get a little healthier. He just had to kind of get
0: in tow and like having a full year working with Hefner. clearly he's found some adjustments here. And he just like he's able to control all of his pitches so in a way that's just so pretty to watch because he lives in those shadows. He doesn't throw many balls ever in a game that are even in a location that damage could be done. And you saw with that sinker, he was just owning those bottom two corners of the zone, like throwing them like an inch off the
1: plate after movement.
0: And the guys are swinging through.
1: And I think it makes his slider look even better because now you kind of have those two opposite directions. And if he's tunneling those pitches, well, like he was, it seemed like in this game, it's really hard. I mean, you're guessing, you're guessing. Yeah, literally.
0: And those were his two most thrown pitches. The slider was great. 27% usage, six whiffs on 12 swings. Use those two pitches together. Like especially again, you're playing a team like the Marlins. I get that, but the big thing you have to do when you're a team like the Mets, you have to beat the teams like the Marlins. And yes. it really helps when your starting pitcher shuts them out for seven two-thirds innings. The Marlins didn't even score after I believe it was the second inning against Bassett. we were looking at 16 consecutive scoreless innings for Mets pitching against the Marlins. And just a round through a couple more Carrasco stats. It's four and zero with a two one seven career ERA and eight starts against the Marlins. Mets have won all six of Carrasco starts against the Marlins since he joined the team last year. Perfect. End of July with 18 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings. Not bad. Ridiculous. And Carrasco, I mentioned before, the 0.90 ERA in July, his lowest in any month of his career, fourth-best ERA for any Met, fourth-lowest ERA in a single month for any Met, there we go, in team history, the minimum third of the innings pitch. Great. The record's actually to Gram last April, 051.
1: little teaser teaser. teaser of uh, what's to come maybe next week but yeah i mean carlos carrasco has been so good it was huge in this game and it also helped too that the offense was swinging the bat again yes and a lot of that was uh kind of the bottom of this or the bottom of the other had a very big game here especially
0: jeff mcneil i believe he had three hard hit balls first multi-hit game it felt like a month they mentioned i forgot the exact date
1: and you want to know why though right well the all-star break well, this is like the first time he's been on the road. He might actually be sleeping without. He's <laughs> actually really There's a really good chance the newborn baby, Lucas, is not with him and he yeah. might actually get to sleep. Someone also points something out that's so
0: funny. Cause has been a lot of guys on the paternity list around baseball. And <laughs> it's it's nine months from October.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam Duval went on the paternity list yeah. like literally nine months to the day that the right. Braves won the World Series, which is Wait, like, no, uh, that hasn't
0: happened yet, has it? I oh, think yeah, so. it was like it was like three days ago. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. That is so freaking funny. Oh my God. That makes sense. That's probably the best time for Adam to to conceive. He's never going to hit that mountaintop again. Oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> just hilarious that McNeil hit his first home run like a month. And this Mets team, they're having so much fun together. They just call shoulder shoulder. Oh, that's that's cool. one of the coolest things. Like one of the best baseball highlights that happens a few times a year when the whole team, I like, guess again, does something funny to a guy after a home run. He's just sitting there hair back he's looking around like Are you guys freaking kidding me right now it's been like 30 seconds can we hang out
1: <laughs> like oh. they they held out a long time a with long McNeil. time like they made him sweat a little yeah, bit which like funny as hell. having spoke to mcneil and like you know seeing how the team reacts to them and just like his personality he feels like the kind of guy that like it's per- he's perfect to do the cold shoulder too
0: You'd be like, guys, come on, what are you doing? What are you doing? You gets like really mad really quickly. Like, I'm Not really mad, exci- but just like just
1: like jumpy. Yeah, like I'm really excited. Someone tell me they did good.
0: <laughs> yeah, also a huge game for Francisco Lindor. He had three hits, the late home run that kind of like put this one to bed. Great defense per usual. Everyone in the lineup except Starley Marte had a hard hit ball. Marte had got three strike SO after his big game, so kind of cool to see him get a blow on Sunday. And Escobar, I want to say, three hard hit balls and a fourth ball in play at 94 miles an hour. So one mile an hour away from being considered a hard hit ball. You and know. three of those came from the
1: left side. Now he's been swinging the bat a little bit better. And it seems like maybe with less playing every single day, this for is sure. Helping. And I
0: think that's a big part of like, what is going to happen with this team now? Because I think we saw McNeil and Canna get cold here for about a month ish. We've seen Escobar go up and down. We saw, we've seen Guillorme start really high and now kind of uh kind of regress back to mean a little bit. So they're just getting these guys a few less at bats and getting them in more advantageous situations, more consistently, I think will help everybody get better. That's how a lot of these teams like hands, the position players. It's very good to see. Also, Good to see J.D. Davis just pimp the crap out of a home run. Yeah, it was nice. Stare at that one. Third longest home run by I Met this season. It's one of five Mets home runs to travel 440 feet or further. John's asking us in the notes if we can recall those five home runs. I, that impossible. I, I don't remember home
1: runs in days. John loves to do this thing to us where he's like, here's a stat. Can you remember the last 13?
0: Like, uh, the longest home runs? Like, yeah, Pete, May 13th. Like, what the fuck? I can I'm, guess I'm this. Gonna, I'm going gonna to guess. I'm gonna say four of them for Pete. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to do three Pete's, one Lindor, one Marte. And we'll never find out the answer we have. And no
1: yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even care. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> you <laughs> know, we have, we have to talk about something else in this game, too. Yes. The debut of Tyler Naquin. Absolutely. Uh, can, can I talk about Tyler Naquin? <laughs> this, you know what, James? There's nothing more that I'd rather you do than talk about Tyler Naquin, your boy, who the loyal listeners of this podcast have heard James bring up the name Tyler Naquin in trade talks many of times. Yeah,
0: going back an entire year, because this guy's just a good ball player. I, when the trade went down on Thursday night, it feels like a long time since we talked to you guys after the two-game series Yeah, ended on Wednesday, but I was kind of saucy. I was at um comp- company party for the company I work for called Mojo Sports Stock Market. Good party? Play. Great party. Amazing. Mark, Mark Laurie's party. It was a very, it was, I would, I would call the apartment okay. No, <laughs> stop. Yeah. The rooftop in Chelsea was fine. It was really just <laughs> fine. But then like went out with much coworkers after we're launching in a month. It's a lot, a lot of fun to be had. It was good, good stuff togetherness. So this trade drops and there's like three very loyal Mets fans in the office A full time, like a sports company. And like, it's 90% Yankee fan. <laughs> this is one other guy. He's my homie. He's a headlight copywriter. I think he used to work for the Mets in PR for a while. Named Dave Campanero, but um. or. Just something like that. Yeah, I think he did work for the SPR for a while, but right? I but <laughs> I was like, the Mets got Tyler
1: Naquin. He's like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> I'm like, no, that was really exciting.
1: As soon and as I, I saw the trade, I was like, I have, I have to text James. I have to shoot him messages. As his boy.
0: I know, and then tweeted because again, I was, I few few beverages. I was having a little bit of fun. I said Tyler Naquin was a really good baseball player. He's gonna fit well in the Mets. And I got flamed for my take that Tyler Naquin's a really good baseball player. People were quote-tooting me, laughing at me, Yankees fans and Braves fans. People were in my replies telling me, like, how could Tyler Naquin be a really good player? But Wait, you guys know what?
1: Braves fans? a really fans, good ball player. They, they trade Freddie Rosario, who just happened to get hot. And what is he doing this year? And do all like, the guy's not even going to be a baseball player next year. Yeah. But
0: Tyler Naquin does things that like you want your players on your team to do he has above average power he's been running an above average power rate basically his entire career he's completely average play discipline he doesn't strike out too much He doesn't strike out too little he doesn't chase that much he, you know, he doesn't expand his own more than you have to he's a very good corner outfield defender he probably he's definitely a worse defender than jankowski who was dfa'd to make room for him yeah you, you probably don't yeah. want nico in center but it's also probably not the end of the world if he plays there but also nimmo has been like a absolute like like dominant center fielder and this year
1: to be fair Marte has played center field very well before it's not of someone course. i want out there but you have yeah. that option and canna played center field in oakland when loriano was gone for the and he, suspension
0: can had a few innings this few games this year early in season center when uh, Marte and them were both out so i don't think having a backup center fielder was as violent to the mets as getting another hitter on your bench with power tyler we've seen it in these first two games with the Mets hits the ball hard 400 balls the first two games like the guy does things well he's a really good arm too as a defender so when he's playing right field, like for Stony Marte today, he actually did botch a play though, uh, in Sunday's game, which is funny. And he actually also made a bad throw. So me talking about his arm is funny. It's good defense, but one play like that's not indicative of a guy's defense. Luis Guillermo made three errors in one game last year in Cincinnati. You guys know what's happened since then. So, This is just such a clear upgrade for the Mets over what was on their bench before. He is a really good ball player who I think helps this entire roster.
1: Yeah, I was trying to explain it to people on Twitter because obviously Jankowski is a fan favorite. Everybody yes. likes him. Everyone likes his story. But uh, people have his jersey. Yes, oh, that's <laughs> unfortunate. Didn't even think about that. But it's tough when you have one of your bench spots be to a guy who you essentially aren't going to use at the plate. And that's kind of what Jankowski was. Was he was a, a yeah. Give someone a rest day and you just put him hit him eighth or ninth. The best way I described. Jankowski and Naquin to people was like, when Jankowski comes to the
0: plate, you use the word, I hope he makes something happen. Yes. Not like, you know, hit, put the ball in the gap or swing going down the line. Yeah. Naquin's like, just get this guy in that bat. Let's see him hit.
1: No, he's a real hitter. And he joins now a much stronger bench with this Mets team, mm-hmm. especially when you have Vogel back, who's been swinging the bat as well as he has, which we'll talk about a little bit about how great he's been with the Mets. But, I mean, like, this was a really nice, sneaky trade that cost the Mets relatively nothing. I mean, we were talking about this before yeah. the podcast started because we're going to do our big three of uh, Mets trade deadline stuff. We won't we won't ruin exactly what, best or worst deals. But relatively speaking, in these trades, when you talk about these young, young prospects that end up getting traded, especially at the deadline, very rarely do you end up getting burned. And I, I really like what the Mets gave up here in terms of getting a bat that's going to help us right now.
0: Definitely. And I will talk about the prospects we gave up briefly because both of them do have potential, but not Definitely. Yeah, it's not like great. And also just to give you a sense of where the Mets farm system is in terms of baseball. One of the guys who traded Hector Rodriguez was the Mets. I think it was 28th ranked prospect heading in to wherever they were at right now. And I don't know who did these rankings. I think it was actually fangrass I was reading the fangrass article about it. He slots in as like the 48th. That's yeah. Red's prospect. And they don't even team considered to have like a really good farm system. But Hector Rodriguez, he's very fast and a good athlete, smaller guy. He is playing some center field right now for the Mets. He got a couple uh, games in low way, but mostly he's been in the complex league. And he's dominated that complex league. He's like one of those guys who you see with like an 8% K rate, 5% walk rate, like down there, who just mm-hmm. clearly is like ahead above the rest of the level in some ways, but also just like, isn't that big. And while he's center fielded now, he probably isn't profile there, but he could just be hit enough to get his way to the majors. The other guy, Jose Acuna, good name. He's uh yeah. another guy who's dominating the complex league. He's a great feel for pitching. He allegedly, even at just the right age of 19 the complex league, like does the stuff like Cueto does, like with his leg kick to okay. throw off, hit his timing, which I think is really cool for 19 year old. the stuff is good. He doesn't have a lead velocity. He throws like sinker cutter that can be slider-ish and change changeup that apparently he has an, also a great feel for his nineteen year old. But like these are also two teenagers who haven't actually played professional baseball yet. And of course besides like a thick five games com- combined. Yeah, and of course we're forgetting the big piece in this trade Philip Deal. How of course, can we forget? Yeah, Deal, yeah, I mean Deal the Mess just, just needed more left-handed pitchers in the 40 man roster.
1: And that's they what Philip Deal is.
0: Yeah, we didn't we didn't mention it last week that picked up Sam Clay who actually has a pretty decent breaking ball. I think. Yeah, he got called up for the series. Oh, he did? Yeah, I didn't even yeah. know that. But then and Deal, I think, has a little bit better with fastball. You combine them, you definitely have a good left handed reliever. Yeah, we need yeah, like a few. I yeah, can morph them somehow, some way, or just like make them do a steel cage death match, and whoever whoever wins gets the other guy's best pitch. But it's just that that's that's a good trade to make when your team was tra- going to the playoffs and you yes. want to get to the playoffs. You wanted you want to win baseball games. The Mets got a major league player who's improvement improvement over the guy that the roster spot he took and another guy just for depth in the system. Yep, and it was it was a good day. Like you said, he hit the ball hard, which moved us into game three. Also, which, I just want to note that this oh, was the hundredth oh. game of the Mets season, and this was their second best first hundred games ever. Only eighty six had more. Yeah. And that team was 68, and 32. And I believe this team was 64 and 36 or no, so, 60,
1: 60, 60. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I just know we're a lot of games over 500. I don't, I don't count the win column until we get to the end of the year, really at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not
0: not the bad way to be, but cool that this Mets team is historically successful in terms of Mets teams in the past. Really amazing. also at the end of this game, I said before, Marlins was 16 innings without scoring a run before Sunday. They had not hit a home run since July 6th. Yeah. Well, James,
1: when did you put that note in there?
0: Right before the home run.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. So I <laughs> did it. I
0: know. The jinx. Yeah. Literally, literally, it's crazy. I have these incredible jinxing powers, but moving on to game three, we're having a lot of fun here talking about these Mets wins. This kind of, I think the Mets own Pablo Lopez. I think they do because he's definitely not a bad pitcher. He's actually quite a good one, but for and some reason, they just are able to hit him. I have a stat that someone tweeted. My boy Schwebzi from Pitcher List, uh, Christopher Weber. Where's Schwebzy? Did I not like it?
1: Why, you didn't like, like his tweet? It. I'm pretty positive I did. So that's a rookie move right there. Oh God, I gotta find it. All right, well, I'll, I'll talk about Pablo Lopez a little bit while you find that tweet. Pablo Lopez is a guy who could be on the mar- move, by the way, because the Marlins, Kim, Kim Ung, was talking about only Sandy Alcantara is the only person they're not listening to. I him. think that's Kim Ung. Uh, I, I thought it was Kim Ung. <laughs> we can't do names today, but... Oh, my God. This is funny
0: because also protein. pulling back the Sandy thing I said before sandy this year against all teams not the mets 169 era against the mets 3.33 pablo lopez against everyone not the mets this year 2.73 era against the mets nine. Oh my god <laughs> 273 against all teams not the mets that's pretty good yeah and like he's also just profiles perfectly as the hit pitcher that this mets team can hit because he always stays around the zone like yep. that's kind of what happens with these change up fastball right-handed pitchers who don't have a leave velocity you kind of can't well, his breaking balls are fine, but he doesn't really throw them enough. He doesn't have confidence enough in them. I'm sure that they're just like not exactly where he wants them to be. So with that change-up, you kind of just run the risk of that pitch. If you hang around the zone too much, you're going to hit it. And this Mets team is just like, that's it, perfect. Just put the ball into play, keep peppering it in. That's exactly what they did. The Mets had five hits in the first inning, one in the second, a Mazika Bunt, and five more in the third, knocking Pablo out with, I think, with two in the third innings and 11 hits allowed.
1: Yeah, he just got shot. I mean, the Mets had 19 hits in this game, which over nine innings with just hits alone. That's a two whip for the entire Marlins staff. Two guys were getting on every single inning. If you're doing that math, like they really just did come out the gate swinging with the Lindor double, the Pete double McNeil, getting a, a shot down the line. Like it was so nice and refreshing Vogelbach getting in on the action. Everybody in this Mets lineup had multiple hits except for Naquin and Brendan Nimmo, which that's pretty disgusting.
0: That is pretty disgusting. John's also highlighting fig, uh, vigorously right now in our doc saying this, is the first time all season a team had 19 hits and no homers.
1: Which That's, Keith was he was Boomer. Oh my God, Keith was freaking out all Keith, day. He was like, I you know what? He's like, when I would talk to the great pitchers, this made me laugh. He's like, when I talk to oh the gosh, great pitchers, oh my god, this killed me. He was like, they would say, We don't like facing you guys because you're you're tough outs. He's like, No one care. The home runs, they don't care. You can shut those guys down. He's like, But those those teams that don't strike <laughs> out, that they they give you long at bats. He's like, those are the guys. Hit he was so excited with how many singles are being oh hit.
0: He was he through was the moon. His mind. You know how many good pieces of hitting he said today? QR May said it for. He said it for a Lindor. He said it for a P. He said the Mazika Bun. He was freaking out about that one. Oh, of course. He also, yeah. He got out of pocket. He was getting very confident here. He said that he'd rather have the Mets offense than the Braves. That's a little crazy.
1: A little crazy. A little crazy. The Mets offense, though, is, is looking solid. And like I did yeah. say earlier, Keep six guys. So- with a WRC plus above 120. That doesn't lie. Pretty good. Keith also
0: did something crazy. I forgot why they were doing this, but they were showing something. On, oh, <gasps> yeah. Vogelbeck. Richard, Richard Neer, WFAN legend, had like some guy from the 50s, it looked like in a military uniform in a black and white picture. He said like his uncle or his nephew or his great uncle, someone looked like Daniel Vogelback. So Keith shows it to the screen <laughs> and like just barely cut off the guy's phone number. Yeah. Like you almost just were a random <laughs> Richard Neer <laughs> in the middle of this game. And then Wayne's like, oh, watch out. You got a phone number there. And Keith is like, you know what? We bring everything to the folks. We take chances. <laughs> what the hell?
1: Dude, I think run? I think Keith gets to loosen up a little bit when Gary's not there, maybe. I, I just think
0: Keith got loose a couple of days in Miami. Probably hanging out by the pool. Probably had some tartare. He
1: definitely probably, had a little tartare.
0: Yeah, I think these guys are having a good time. Some great wins. They were good, relax. I just, I can't believe this is going on right now. Ceviche, John, something that had ceviche is probably better. Anyway. That, yeah, that but, feels, ceviche feels very Miami. It's just this game was just such a wire to wire win. The Marlins did make it get a little dicey after uh, they knocked Taiwan out of the game, who didn't have his best stuff, I'd say, either in this one. But then the Mets just like grabbed a couple runs back
1: and put it all out of the reach. Yeah, they kept responding back. I think the Marlins got, what, two in the bottom of the sixth. And the Mets came yeah. back with two in the top of the seventh. And that's where the game ended at 9-3. Shout out to Tommy Hunter, Steven Nagosik, Yohan Lopez for doing the cleanup duty, the mop up. They did a oh, yeah. fantastic job. Steven Nagosik looking really strong again. I, he has a little bit of the stuff. Like, he's a guy who could probably stick in his bullpen for a little while. Steven Nagosik, who came from the Addison Reed trade to the Boston Red Sox. Uh, we were looking up trades at the deadline that the Mets have made over the last few years. I saw that one. I saw the Lucas do it at Drew Smith. It's funny yeah. how some of those guys are now starting to make an impact on this team when that right. feels like years a- ago. Lifetimes ago. Like, Luke Addison Reed? I for- I forget he exists until you tell me he exists, which well, is crazy because he-, he was
0: so good. Oh, in 2015. He was one of the Mets' better deadline pickups in the history of the franchise. Like he, in a year and a half with his team, he'd like I believe his ERA was like remarkably low. Like I'm gonna look teams. it up real quick. Yeah. While you keep talking about Addison Reed. Yeah, I mean that's enough Addison Reed. I want to wrap up this series for a little bit. Francisco Lindor had another RBI in this game. 70 RBIs. Mets single season. RBI record for a shortstop, 81 by Reyes. Hopefully, Lindor gets that soon. Yeah. Lindor's also hit safely in 17 of his last 18 games. He's one of those nice up and down. Francisco Lindor hot streaks. Has WRC Plus up like 125, Yep, which is a great, great number from the be at.
1: One of the oh, best years he's had in terms yes. of WRC Plus. As and, well as his average has jumped like almost 20 points in a week. And his battle rate is ticking up to be near a career high as well, which Love is pretty that. freaking cool. Yes. Love that.
0: Amazing. So he's not good. You guys know that. 1,000 OPS his last 20 games. not a good player. Not a good player at all people <laughs> yeah. that pay him all that money ah oh, god overpaid i had this conversation i had this argument with somebody today that like almost theoretically because theoretically like if you think someone's overpaid like how many guys who are past six years of service time who like actually got to free agency or like theoretically got to free agency basically the guys who went through the mlb draft not the international signing system like they're kind of all technically overpaid then you think right
1: well yeah i was having this conversation with the guy at the card show too because he was telling me about juan soto stinks
0: yeah, which oh, is just
1: a hot that's, take. that's a barometer right there like, oh, can i have
0: can i have his uh his orange
1: cards, his cards? <laughs> he was saying it's because he hits 240 you can't uh, if you can't hit 270 i don't want you on my team you're not good and I he, and then i was like well like he's like bonds could do it so why can't he i was like well you uh, are also bonds do it. one of the best players of all time but, ask
0: him how old well barry bonds was when he did that yeah. <laughs> I like come on get out these guys are ridiculous batting average but Francisco Lindor ending the season with like a 780 OPS and like a 250 batting average would be incredible. We also, we said that we got to give some shine on Vogel back. He's been great. Mets haven't lost since he got here. 545 on base percentage, 6 for 16, two doubles, two runs, five walks, six strikeouts, 22
1: PA. He's another guy like Canna who just every at-bat, 3-2. 3-2. It feels grinds, like 3-2 every single time. And he grinds it. Keith? Keith was talking about Vogel back a lot today. He's like, man, I, loved I love this guy's approach. I love his swing. For a guy who is the complete opposite of what Keith would normally like. Like, there's there's almost no world where if you put Daniel Vogel back in a room with a bunch of other first basemen, and as well as gave him the stats, if he didn't know he was on the Mets, Keith would never choose him. There's no shot. Absolutely not. They were also poking some fun at him
0: because I forgot what the play with what the it was, but he, he was rounding third.
1: Oh, yeah. Joey and, like, Cora.
0: He, he, like, he basically hugged him. He, like, grabbed him, told him to stop. And get Daniel Vogel back. I say rounding third. He literally put his foot on the base, and that was it. Yeah. There was no there was no rounding being done. He's I, – I do like having him on this team. He adds an element. He has some power. I just – I love him. It's so funny. He's, like, getting clean up already. Yeah. Well, fifth.
1: Oh, I think it was fourth. With Marte out of the lineup. Oh, yeah, with the Marte out of the lineup. Yeah. It was
0: Fourth, yeah. And a couple of stats got run through here. Tie the series up 64 wins through the end of July, the second most in team history in 1986 team at 66 wins. And it's probably similar amount of games, six straight wins matches our longest winning streak of the season with, um, with some probably fun to be had in Washington, which I guess that's how we'll close the episode because I don't, I don't know who's pitching that series. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We preview the series, of course. Well, I
1: know the first two games. Uh, don't give it away. Don't. Maybe the oh. listeners don't know yet. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Actually, I, got- I, I forgot. I don't know who they are. You got to look it ooh, up.
0: Ooh, wait for the end. Listen to the end. And Mets starting pitchers ended July with a 2.42 ERA in the month. That's pretty good, huh? And you remember we lost that series to Padres? People were saying we're, we're bad. You won 10 your less 13 games. Season was over. Season was over. Like seventh time, chicken little, the sky
1: was falling. I thought. Oh man, I freaking love this. Shit. What the? Gr- uh, I just cursed. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that that was the just... most casual curse. People That's how you cursed. know we're feeling good and comfortable right <laughs> now. Is just James just accidentally dropping a, a a curse word that Brandon Nimmo has never once said in his. No, life. No, he wouldn't even. I don't think he even think about saying it. Do you when think he's, on the table? Think he's texted it.
0: No, definitely not. Definitely I think not. He, he's more likely to say it than text it. Like, I bet Brandon Moe, if you corner him in the locker room, you can get him to say it. Maybe, like, <laughs> poke him with, with stuff, and we'll just do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, texting, it's there forever, of course. Maybe someone could take a screenshot Brandon was saying that. Paper trail. <laughs> yeah, it's paper trail if you say you know, the S word. What a great series, though. The mess need the series like this.
1: I mean, not that they need the series like this, but I love – having a
0: series like this.
1: I mean, it's just, it is so nice to have a weekend series against the lowly Marlins and like, just, just watch baseball, enjoy yourself. You can mm-hmm. go outside, spend some time in the sun. I'm yeah. moving. So it's a very stressful time for me right now where I'm like, I'm, I currently don't have outside of my parents' house here in New Jersey. I don't, I don't know where I'm living and I'm trying <laughs> to move in tomorrow, but the person that they told me to reach out to is out of office until August 8th. So now I have to reach out to another person which is they they haven't answered. I'm like, am I going to be waiting here for an entire week before I can move in? Can I move in tomorrow? Can I move in Thursday? Especially with the Washington trip that we got coming up. Like, oh man, this is a stressful time. So this Mets-Marlins series was really nice that there was no stress.
0: No, no stress at all. I think now there's a good time to do our big three. And the big three for this episode, we're having a happy episode for you guys. This is a great episode. The Mets got kind of a sweep. And our big three is going to be about just you know, we're still Mets fans. You gotta level, you gotta level, level out a little bit. Yeah, the worst deadline deals in Mets history.
1: Yeah, we're we're feeling good, and we're feeling great. We need to just be taken down a peg. Remember, we're not we're not like those uh, the fans of the other New York team who came in hot. I just just want to talk trash on them for one second because remember we were talking about how they were pretending like they didn't care about this series. Of course, yeah. I saw a great tweet that was making fun of them after they hit a home run against the Royals where they're all jumping up and down and hugging each other against the 39 win Royals. Like that's, that's so funny to them pretend like you don't care about beating the Mets. Just, just threw that out there. If there is any Yankee fan listening, I want to rub a Rebel Assault in the wound. Yeah, of course. I mean, until we get them next, but Big
0: three. I think I
1: went first last time, so I'll def- definitely defer to one of you guys to go first. I, I think I've had John go first. I don't think I've gone first in the big three. Go basically. first. So I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna take the real, real low hanging fruit here. There's, there's one really bad trade. It's gonna be trading Tom Seaver. The Mets traded him on June 15th, 1977. You might be like, how's that a trade deadline deal? Before I believe it was 1986, what? Somewhere in the 80s. Uh, the trade deadline was June 15th, and as you know, they traded Tom Seaver to the Cincinnati Reds for Doug Flynn. Steve Henderson, Pat Zachary, and Dan Norman. A fun fact, went to a Mets, the Mets Academy, which was a Mets-themed baseball camp that I think the Mets used to be a part of that they ran out in Warren, New Jersey, or Watchung, one of those. And Pat Zachary was one of the guests there, which is crazy God, for me, who was eight, nine years old, to meet Pat Zachary. Like, why is that the guest? How do they think that any of us are going to know who that guy is? He, <laughs> you know what his main thing was? I was the guy who was traded for Tom Seaver. Dad was probably all right. My dad was like, Pat Zachary's there. That's the guy they traded for Seaver. Why would, why would they do this? But that's my that's gonna be my big three uh, trade. You can't trade right. Tom Seaver. No, you can't trade Tom Seaver. Bloody,
0: would they call it like Bloody Monday or something? So uh, yeah, something like that. Midnight Massacre. Midnight Massacre. I was, <laughs> I was, well, I was close, but still far away. Not, you got <laughs> one of the M's for sure. I did. Yes, absolutely. So I'll, I'll go next now because this is this isn't like one of these bad ones. Like none of us, I don't think, are gonna do Victor's in Brown for Kazmir because that's like so bad. It's hard to even talk about. <laughs> but, <laughs> This one was one of the more disappointing Mets trades in my life just because it was, it seemed like, it seemed so obviously bad at the time. And it like was reigned completely true. And in 2018, when the Mets were selling off parts, they traded Yeris Familia to the Oakland Athletics for Bobby Wall and Will Toffee, two guys who literally never even got close to contributing at the major league level. Yeah, that was
1: one of those trades that I
0: think it was like a 24 year old, like a 26 year old double A who were not <laughs> performing.
1: Yeah, it didn't like hurt the Mets. It wasn't one of those where it's like, man. That was a bad. It it wasn't a bad trade because it hurt, but it was more of a bad trade. It was like, how do we get nothing? Like, also, just like we talked about the Aston Reed and Lucas Duda trades, and those guys have made more of an impact.
0: And it's not like you're trading with the Athletics. It's not like you're doing this as a pure salary dump because they're not going to take very much salary on. You're just you're getting two complete non entities for a rental reliever who's like actually decent. Like we've seen some rental getting getting close to the camera there, John. What's going on? And that was an AC (laughs) that was competing, by the way, too. So they were competing. They were a team in the playoffs. Like they were, they were pushing and. To, get, to have gotten nothing more than that for a guy who was pitching pretty well for the last couple of years was, oh, I always just look back at a trade be like, that it was nothing. That was less than nothing.
2: John, what do you got? What's up, guys? All right, so I am going to go back to the year 2000, which was a very good year in Mets land, um, but maybe it could have been a little bit better. So around the deadline, Rarodonios breaks his wrist, leaving the Mets without a shortstop. So what do they do? They go trade for Mike Bordick. And, uh, James, I got close because I was trying to see a name. So the Bordic deal was for Pat Gorman, Wesley Brea, Mike Kincaid, and Melvin Mora. Yeah. And Mets fans don't realize, I think, a lot that Melvin Mora came up with the Mets. And Melvin Mora, for a three-year span, was an elite player awesome. with the Orioles. He had an OPS plus Melvin Mora of 138 between 2003-2005. That's a pretty good peak. And Mike Bordick, on the other hand, (laughs) did not work out. He had a homer in his Mets debut. I remember right there, it was looking good. The Kaz Matsui. Yes. And then he hit just three in his last 55 games with the Mets. (laughs) And in the playoffs, he goes four for 33. Oh, my God. No no way. way. Yes. Yes. Uh So the trade didn't work out. And I think he did have a thumb injury, if memory serves correct. He played throughout it. So, you know, like. Good for him for playing through injury, but Melvin Mora could have been a part of this team. You know
1: what's even funnier is that Mike Bordick went right back to the Orioles after that year. The Mets had fifty six games of him and said, Smell you later, Mike,
0: get out of here. it's exactly how I'm familiar too. The Mets re signed familiar after that 2018 season. But it's not like he
1: was bad with the A's. <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> well, Chapman also, right? Didn't Chapman was traded right in the re sign yeah. with the Yankees right after? Yeah. One of those. Yeah. So, that's funny. Stuff so
1: like, that we've uh, we've seen before. I feel like that's always like the popular thing too when you talk about like trades. Like the big talk was like if the Dodgers didn't re-sign Mookie, he was just gonna come back and go to the Red Sox again after they get all those pieces. But we know that didn't happen, unfortunately, for us as Mets fans. Some shrapnel for the
0: Red Sox fans. who are dealing with some, some <laughs> yeah, stuff just right
1: now. Really twisted in there. Are we gonna do a little deadline talk before we do Morals? We've got before we do national. I mean we've gotten long here, but maybe like five minutes. Yeah, well, first since we have John as well, let's do the estimate for this next episode so that I can sure go on. down five nothing.
2: Sure. I was like real quick though, summer. yeah, <laughs> I heard you guys kind of crushing me about the uh, longest home runs by a Met this year. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's insane. Yeah, uh, yeah, real quick, can you tell me who's at the longest home run by a Met? Top of your head, P. Lonzo. No.
0: Uh, JD
2: Davis? No. Damn it. Okay. I huh. wonder if I wonder if if we went up to a hundred Met fans on the street of Queens, how many it would take before someone could tell me on April twenty second. Hit the longest home run by a Met this year. That doesn't help at all the date. <laughs>
1: James McCann. It was,
2: it was an, yes, oh, in Arizona. It is James McCann, Arizona. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, yes. man. Wait, we got to do that at the stadium. Yeah, we
0: should. Who was the longest <laughs> home run by a Met this year? That's the next TikTok. Well, Will I you? hope
2: that people aren't listening. Otherwise, we just ruin some good Well, who's the chance that we hit
0: a random person in the stadium? They're, 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 they're a listener. That's also, you we need sense. more of
2: you to listen.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's right. We'll, we'll try that. Because you can win fun
2: prizes. Of course. Anyway, There's you want to get into estimate for this this episode. Yes. All right, yeah. so deadline, perfect segue. Mets headed to Washington, D.C. All eyes in the baseball world on number 22 in D.C. Will he stay or will he go? Juan Soto. So <sighs> the estimate, how many plate appearances will Juan Soto take in this three-game series? Please let James so, go first. <laughs> James has to go first because I'm sick of Mark losing <laughs> An embarrassing fashion. I mean, what's what's James's magic number here? The yeah, magic you said, number. <laughs> I was literally, I was, I was thinking about that the other day. Set the line. <laughs> the magic number is shrinking. Like oh my six. god!
1: Yeah. Oh, they. We, we do it after every series. It's not but, every day. No, it's not, it's not every left. day. It's, it's probably like yeah. 18
2: I'd series say left. about what like fifteen, yeah, 15, 20 series 18, left. Yeah. So. Well, Mark we, we, Bur- have,
0: we have like sixty games left, so just based on the rule of average, one's going to be five games, another one's four games. Knock it down to eighteen off the bat. Man, we're close. Sure. uh <laughs> Oh, we got to. Oh, dog
1: Dog's that. If I, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't guarantee that was a dog. That was such a <laughs> well,
2: Fun fact: He was going to be named Seaver until uh, someone came in and said, with authority, "We're not naming the dog Seaver." But I want.
0: Did you change the name to Fergosi? No. What's the dog's no, name? That's Cooper. Cooper. Okay.
2: Strong Cooper's, name. Cooper's, uh, my Cooper's mom was baby accost-
0: baby. accosted by a dog in Tamaquas Park named Cooper, like ten years ago, <laughs> fifteen years ago, probably now. It's a it's a running joke in our family with like some of our close friends because this like large dog. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I think I think I think Cooper might have saw your mom walking down the street. Yeah, right. But like this woman, like this dog was like, "Oh, my mom. My mom's a small woman who's definitely afraid of animals," and this dog has two paws on my five foot nothing mom. And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And the woman's like, Cooper, Cooper, down, Cooper. And she's just like, oh, it's just like, it's a stupid, funny joke Stanley. family. But I think say I have an idea. I think I have an idea for this Soto play. I'm going to go, and if I can't go, you can't go over, right? If you go over, you lose. Correct. sorry, I got to go, <laughs> go back on mute. <laughs> yeah, please. I'm going to say, oh, man. I think I'm going to just really safely say Four. Four. So he's traded after the first game, is what you're saying? Yeah, before the on deadline day.
1: Oh, I'm gonna say, man, did the Nationals play at home this weekend? They did, right? They played the Cardinals. Man, are I they gonna give him one? I, I think he's gonna get traded. So do they give him one day? Because like it could uh, have, the trade could happen tonight. The trade could happen tonight while we're talking about this. The trade could happen tomorrow morning. Maybe the Nationals don't play Juan Soto on Monday because they're trying to trade him. And what if he gets hurt? It's possible. You have to be worried. So, man, but four, why, why
0: why do you play why
1: do you play today? The Cardinals. The Cardinals are interested. They got to see the the products that they could be going after. I you mean, must be really clear too. four. Oh man, that's so. I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under because I think there's a world where it's plate appearances, right?
2: Plate appearances. Yeah, we, we, we could see another.
1: We could see an early pull, too, maybe in the game. Wow, maybe let him hug get watch, one at bat. hug watch? Hug yeah, watch. we could get a hug watch. Maybe he gets pull, He gets one at bat, and they're like, okay, that's it. That's your last at bat here as a Washington National. Off, off to the New York Mets, hopefully. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the under on this one, so I'll say okay. three.
2: Okay. Three plate appearances. I got to be honest with you, Mark. <laughs> You're going down 5
1: Well, it sounds like it's a lock that Wad <laughs> Soto doesn't get traded now, basically, because I've taken the under.
2: That is possible. Yeah. I think
1: I, I like I like your number more than my number. You like three better than four, right now? Yeah, cool with me having four. I mean, I, John, thank you, of course, for helping us out here with the estimate. We'll keep a close eye on this, but I think this is also a good segue to talk about. Like, there's going to be a lot going on in Washington this week. Whether Juan yeah. Soto gets traded, Max Scherzer's making the first appearance uh, of the series on Monday, followed by do you do you remember this guy, James Jacob Degrom? You heard of him? Who? Jacob Degrom? You heard about this guy? Who? Yeah, he's going to be making his first start in over a year on Tuesday against the Nationals in Washington. He said it feels like his career debut all over again. I kind of feel that way, too. It does. And, like, I I think I heard a stat that this is the longest the pitcher has been out without having a surgery.
0: Oh, my God. Ever That's, that's like, the worst thing you ever could have said.
1: That's a crazy thing. So, like, I'm super excited. I'm super hyped. We're also going to be there on Tuesday uh, because of the John Boy guys. We're going with uh, Jolly Olive, who hosts their Mets podcast over there. We're going with him to their game to the game on Wednesday or Tuesday so shout out to them for sending us down there we're super excited can't wait to see DeGrom back live
0: we had this trip ready like a month ago
1: and it just turned
0: out to be Jacob DeGrom day
1: it also turns out to be trade deadline day which yes. is just making me sweat because a lot of my content is trade related and there's there's gonna be a huge move there's gonna be some massive player that nobody knows about that no one thinks about right now it's gonna there be trade. was one huge move what, a Luis Castillo? Yeah, it was a massive move. Two no, but I'm talking about prospects. I'm talking about a guy, though, that maybe you didn't think of. Like, I think Rodon could be that big name that maybe people would be surprised about.
0: I think Rodon and Lopez are definitely on the block, and they could get moved. I think that Frankie Montes probably gets moved. Definitely. I think that we could see, I don't know, I think we could see a team in the AL Central do something crazy just because all three of those teams are really trying to distinguish themselves. And they're all relatively close to each other. Yeah. And they're all relatively unspectacular. So I could see one of those teams doing something big. The Yankees have to do something. I can't believe they haven't done anything.
1: It's it's gonna be fun to see what the Orioles do too, because the Orioles are three games out of the playoffs right now. A wild yeah. card spot. So like, do you trade Trey Mancini? Do you trade Jorge Lopez? Do you trade Cedric Mullins? Do you trade these guys? I mean, they probably won't just because they're definitely not gonna trade anybody with control. The only one they could the only guys they could trade are Lopez.
0: And Mancini. Lopez has one more year in his deal. We talked to you guys about Lopez last week or two weeks ago. I don't remember when that was. And then um, Mancini, though, like they can offer him a qualifying offer. So unless you're getting – Lopez a is play- a free agent until 2025, by the way. Oh, right? He's that Yeah, long? he's got a lot of control. Oh, you probably can't even get it then. How is that even possible? Are you sure you're looking at the right guy? I thought He's, he's
1: just he's only played three years of service time. He's but just, doesn't have a lot of time.
0: With Mancini, like the ability to offer him – Qualifying offer I means you have to get a pick back, a player back. Oh my God, you're right. He's three, three. He's two years old. Arm. Yeah. Oh my goodness, crazy yeah, he's gonna be a hot arm. But he's also gonna get a big bonus this year after getting these saves now in the arbitration process. So I could also see them wanting to cut costs, maybe. But my whole point about trading a guy like Mancini is that when you can offer someone a qualifying offer and big motorcycle, when you can offer some guy a qualifying offer and you're gonna get a first round pick if you offer him that and he leaves anyway, you almost you just should just. Trade him next year if you're going to think about trading him because you could, the first round pick is probably better than the prospect you're getting that's for fair. the Trey Mancini rental, right? Yeah. Unless you blow someone away, like unless the Mets come with a guy like Vientos who's better than that first round pick because he's closer. So I don't know. That's 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 interesting. Here, gut check right now. Do you think the Mets make another trade? Who do you think they get?
1: Yes, I do. And I think – I. so I'm really stuck between – I think the two most likely trades that happen for the Mets are going to be Wilson Contreras, David Robertson. It's going to be the package because it seems like these I, guys are going to. I have packaged. a hot take.
0: I think there's almost no chance that happens.
1: Well, I th- that's not the one I'm choosing. I'm choosing the J.D. Martinez Christian Vasquez one, which has gotten some legs recently, just because J.D. brings that right-handed power back, crushes yeah. lefties that we could use, and Vasquez has been pretty good behind the plate this year, and he's been good in the past too.
0: For sure, but I still, I'm still just so skeptical of the Mets adding a catcher to this roster because, like,
1: then whether you can, you can, you're not going, you're going to cut, cut one of the catchers. I uh, no, I don't think you cut one of them. I mean, I, Mizeka is the guy who's been going down, so you just send Mizeka down, and I well, think no, no, there's no, a, do you.
0: Do you have your because McCann's gonna be back in like a week,
1: so well, I I think there's a chance that one of the catchers could be traded as well in this trade because who are the Red Sox gonna have? I mean, you you can't, you have to trade Nito. I think that, I think trading Nito for this roster would be a little bit of a gut punch. I mean, I don't want to, I, I like Nito a lot. Like, it's going to be tough, but it seems like all the, like, it seems like JD Martinez right now is connected Nito, to you have, Nito has no options either. He can't yeah. be sent down. No, I know that for sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I don't know. Like, or, you know what? Then I won't package them together. Just give me JD Martinez then. That solves, that solves all the issues. Just take JD. All right though. I do, I don't know. I just, I really think that this Mets team
0: is probably, not going to get another bat i think we're going to make a move for at least one if not two relievers but i just okay. i think i think we're maxed out into the, the bats now with two i would like to get another right hander name. in here oh let's throw out the name throw out the name throw out the name i don't know we had the whole list last week let me go back and check it i mean because it's kind of kind of fuzzy right now who's available with the orioles being hot i mean maybe it, it probably maybe in the red sox but i really can't see them trading him either man i don't, I don't see Mantiply getting traded i don't really want melanson um like, I don't know. I really – the obvious it, guy isn't coming to the forefront right now. Maybe David Robertson, if they split him up from Contreras, but I don't know. Chafin, I know they like. I could see them jumping on another lefty. I really don't know, dude. I, it's really I – I feel like they're going to try and do something, but I just don't – I can't find what it is. Usually I feel like I have a sense – of where the Mets are looking at this time of year, and right now I, I just don't feel like I, ha- I see the cards.
1: To me, I think I think JD is the guy that they have circled right now. Is like here's another impact back that we could get. That would be our DH that would hit a lot, could play the outfield. I don't know. The Naquin thing makes it weird, even though they're completely different, but it makes it weird. And then Vogel back, it's it's confusing. Like because it's weird that they got two lefties.
0: Yeah, that like it's a little bit weird to me. But I guess I think they probably also see. A lot of fans might not want to hear this. But they probably still project J.D. Davis against exclusively lefties as being an above-average bat. Like our, they're probably projecting JD. him like 10 to 20 percent better than average, exclusively facing lefties. Same thing where if you knock down some of Eduardo Escobar's play appearances against tough righties, you're probably projecting like 10 percent better Eduardo Escobar at least.
1: And the way that Mark Vientos has been hitting, because it seems like that's the name that's flying around too, as like the prospect that would probably be on the move for some of these guys. like He's hitting relatively well in AAA right now. He's got 19 homers, 10 doubles, 54 RBIs, with a still, 345 on base and 864 OPS. Like, that's still pretty good. It's still the ground balls and the strikeouts, though, where I really don't know what's going to happen. with. But he's got 19 pass. home runs, though. so yeah, no, but I, The ground you balls really? can't be that high where he's still coming like, into 20 of them. It's like 50%. I, it, Vladdy has a fifty percent thing too, like True. right okay, now. Yeah, that's, okay. And jo- Josh Bell was a huge ground ball guy too. So you know,
0: I'm not saying that Mark Vantos can't be good in the future. I'm saying it's yeah. less likely that Mark vantos is good tomorrow if he's on the Mets. You know what I mean? Oh,
1: for sure. Well, yeah. Of that's course. I mean, I mean,
0: like right now, what are we getting at for Mark Ventos? Like, do you get league average production from a guy who had a fifty percent ground ball and a thirty percent K rate, triple so a? a? Triple yeah. a Also, right now, I think there was a good article about this. on need to prospectus. I forgot who wrote this. I wanted to give someone credit, but I forgot. There's an argument we made that right now, and I've spoken about this before in this show that double A is almost a little bit better than AAA. We've seen yeah, a lot of these prospects that. kind of skip past triple A because the talent level is not that good. Triple A has become for a lot of these teams that are sharper, just kind of like you're a full-on taxi roster. Yeah. Where you have a lot of guys who are older. Like the average age in triple A is the older than it's ever been. Some team, I think the Braves have an older average age in the triple A roster and the major league roster, which is yeah. one of the funniest stats in the history of the sport. So I think that when you see a guy like – and also that makes it funny that the big deal with Alvarez going from double-A triple-A, and now he's (laughs) – you know what I mean? But I don't know. I I can't – I see Vientos is probably a guy who's a hair worse than league average at this moment. Maybe he can get hot. Maybe he can find something. But I don't know if he's the guy they include. And if he's not the guy you include, I really don't know what is the next thing. I don't know what piece you're giving up to get it because it seems like the Mets are really reluctant to trade any of their top guys, which makes sense unless they're getting an elite guy back. And all these guys we're talking about are rental bats.
1: Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. It's tough. I think the Mets are definitely going to be making calls a on a lot of guys. And yeah, I think they are going to be involved. Yeah, I think for the right piece, I think they're interested. But like you mentioned, uh, the Fulmer, kids, they're going to they're gonna kick tires on all the Tigers' relievers.
0: Fulmer, yeah. um, Lou Trevino is going to be on the move. They're, I think the Mets will pick up one or two of these relievers, but I don't think they'll do the big J.D. Martinez Wilson Contreras thing. Truthfully, okay. I just don't. John wants Christian Walker.
1: Is Christian Walker righty or lefty? He's a righty.
0: Okay, so that'd work. He's
1: a righty first baseman, though. I don't think he can really play anywhere else. That's the only okay, issue.
0: No, c- certainly not.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting. The trade deadline is going to be crazy. Just to throw it out there, Soto, where does Soto go if he gets traded?
0: I I really, it makes me sick to my stomach, probably the Dodgers.
1: I'm going to go Padres. I think the Padres are going to go for it. I pray he
0: doesn't go to the Dodgers. I hope he goes to the Padres or the Cardinals, because those teams probably still can't compete even with Juan Soto. I saw this tweet too today that I kind of want to bring up, just briefly talk about trade deadline, bad trades in the past. I think this was off-season or I don't remember, off-season deadline. The Mets got hammered all these years for trading Jared Kalanick for Edwin Diaz before Kalanick yeah. had even stepped on a major league field. People do not talk about the St. Louis Cardinals model organization trading Sandy Alcantara for a year of Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, It's insane how little that's talked about. That's yep. got to be one of the worst trades in the modern era of baseball. It's not and I close. Think, and was team it- has no pitching at all. The team has no pitching.
1: I believe also. Don't quote me on this. I'm gonna look it up. I also think Zach Gallen went to the Marlins in that for trade. Jazz. No Jazz. No, 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 oh, no, no. You're no.
0: right. You, I think you might be correct.
1: Yeah. No. It was it was Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen, along with Daniel Castano and Magnara Sierra. Which whatever those last two, but two really good pitchers for like a year and a half of Marcelo. Like Zuda.
0: not even being an ass, but those are two of the thirty best pitchers in baseball right now.
1: Yeah. So like, like these really,
0: for one year, of Marcelo Zuna like that is one of if the Marlins simp, if the Cardinals simply did not make that trade, they would probably be the best team in baseball right now. Could be, could be up there with, with, the they, with their lineup, and that's yeah. why like if they include Soto, like if I were the Cardinals, I'd be going ball to the wall for Frankie Montes. Yeah, definitely. Like that, or Pablo Lopez in there, like Pablo Lopez in that park would be unbelievable. Would be great, yeah. But like I can't, I can't see how and Soto's incredible, but like for them. That doesn't change their bottom line that much. They're probably still not even play, they might not even be a playoff team with Juan Soto. though. Yeah, not even kidding it. about that.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're still good. I, I'm not really counting the Cardinals out because they're due for like their weird hot streak that they yeah. always get at the end of the year. It's, but it's,
0: there's no one pitching for them right now. It's Wayne Wright and Mikolas.
1: Yeah, no, there's Are nobody. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, two guys on my fantasy team. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. But I don't know. I hope it goes the Padres, though, I think he'll make the biggest impact just because that team's dying for a bat, and having three of the 10 best bats in the National League will be pretty amazing to see, especially as Tatis gets closer to the return. Dodgers would just be upsetting. i just yeah. like I can't even. I don't know. That, that make me unhappy. They have like four of the ten best hitters in the league, top four in the lineup. That would suck. But whatever. Gut, gut check. I do think it's going to be the Dodgers because they just simply have the best guy to trade. Unless the Padres include Abrams. But if the Dodgers do like Vargas, Lux, Pepo, or Pep, Pepoi or Pepeo, Pepeo, and then like Gavin Stone, like oh no, no team can beat that.
1: Yeah. Unless okay. the, unless the Padres do Abrams and Gore and and Hassel and wood and
0: all those guys also if anyone plays dynasty leagues almost any prospect who winds up in washington you gotta cut loose because they they just they just ruin these guys i'm being i'm joking of course i think i had most of these hitters would still be good there washington's a sneaky good place to hit but i'd be really upset if he went to the dodgers
1: and then uh i think that's pretty much it for our trade deadline talk here we've been going this is a long episode that i didn't think would be long but it's one of our longest episodes yeah it's unbelievably long i mean it is right before the trade deadline so this is what people want this we're not going to talk about trades the rest of the year after this episode
0: (laughs) well we'll talk about recap the trades on the next episode but we gotta end here with the national series we've been we've been holding on to this for a while because it makes me almost a little uncomfortable to have these conversations but change it up mark do you have the pitching matchups for this Mets series
1: in Washington. I think I think you forgot because we rambled. I already told you the first two games. I know, I'm joking. <laughs> Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom. And Chris Bassett. And Chris Bassett. This is what we've been waiting for. I can't believe it. I've used so this analogy awesome. a lot in the show. And I'm going to use it again.
0: But I, to me right now, Jacob DeGrom is that ex or that former friend, former relationship, former any person in your life who you know you don't want to trust again because they've hurt you so many times. <laughs> Not so many times, just so many times recently. Like a few times consistently you've been hurt. And now he's going to pitch, and we're, we're going to be there. I literally am not even kidding. I got goosebumps today when they were talking about DeGrom in the
1: broadcast. It's just it's so sick to think that he's going to be coming back. We're going to be there. This has happened, too, with other Mets pitchers, too, where Harvey did it back in 2015 after it was after Tommy John. But like, there's this weird thing that goes on when these big star dominant pitchers comes back. It's a different feel, and especially on the trade deadline day. I mean, it, it feels like the biggest trade the Mets could make. And I I that's what was Wupon talk. We're not saying
0: <laughs> stuff like that anymore, but it's just, this is going to be the first time this year where we're actually getting the back-to-back Scherzer to Grom. And ironically, this is where the Mets began their season. Yeah. All those months ago in Washington and it would have been Scherzer to Grom wound we'll up being McGill Scherzer, but which seems measurement. Remember that Tyler McGill game? Oh my God. But just the fact that we're going to get those guys back-to-back nights against a bad team
1: who could be getting a lot
0: worse. Yes, and we're gonna get a lot worse. And we're gonna we're lining them both up to pitch in this insane five game series we have coming up against the Braves next weekend. It's like I, it's and like as the month changes, when the Mets have one of their historically best months ever, in the month that we've seen them in recent years kind of fall apart—not fall apart, but like play worse. Like it's, it just feels like something's happening. It's, it, it, gives, it gives chills on my body. Vibes vibes are high right now. Good yeah. vibes. Oh my god, they can't. Oh my god, we're gonna be there too. We're gonna freaking be there. We're taking we're going to Washington for twenty four hours. We're gonna see Jacob DeGrom Grand Pitch. Are you crazy? The date that we picked all the way back in March ends up being this the in March. Oh yeah, they did, I they did. yeah, they did. Yeah, I got yeah, yeah.
1: late. You got added late, but I Jolly reached out to me and was like, Hey, we're going to Washington and and at some point this year, what day? And I go August second. And none of us knew it was a trade deadline. Either. Not a single one of really But anyway, we've rambled enough now for over an hour for you guys. Thank you so much for listening uh, and watching wherever you are. Make sure you drop us a follow on all our social media. Wait, Up.
0: John, kind of, it seems like you might have botched the estimate. We should have done the estimate how many pitches Jacob DeGrom throw.
1: No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Well, no, not, not because of bad things, but because you can. Just... I'm not throwing out a number for how many pitches Jacob DeGrom throws. <laughs> no, are you no, crazy? Do you know what we do on this podcast? Yeah, that's true. You're right about that. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, John yeah. made the right decision there. Talk about Juan Soto ABs.
0: Oh, I just can't believe this is happening.
1: You killed killed my intro there. Let me do that again. Follow outro, us everywhere. Outro, outro. outro. Okay, yeah. Follow us everywhere at MetsUp on all our social media. If you're looking for the YouTube channel, make sure you go over to the New York Mets YouTube channel. You'll be able to find the video there. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, a review, uh, subscribe, download, do all that stuff. Make sure you follow James at... James underscore Shiano. <laughs> yeah, underscore. Don't forget that in there. And then uh, you can follow me at giraffe neck Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening and watching. And we'll catch you after the Washington series. The Grom's back. Let's go. Peace out, guys. See you next time.
0: Get up. Get, get up. Get up.